This week's podcast brought to you by Beetle Feet. I casually mentioned the other morning to our youngest child that her hair needed brushing and that it was a rat's nest. And she replied immediately, oh, yeah, well, your rats don't have a nest. And now whenever uh, she wants to make me feel bad about my baldness, she just says, homeless rats. Hey, I hope everybody had a nice Thanksgiving. Yes, I hope everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Did you? I had a terrific Thanksgiving. Did you have a nice Thanksgiving? I had a great Thanksgiving because I uh, did the rare, had the rare experience of binge-watching a television show. Not television show, show on my iPad. And? Seven and a half hours of Beatles footage. Mm-hmm. Get back on Disney+. Plus. Not a plug. And uh, I rather enjoyed that. Not even not a plug. You purchased Disney Plus just so In fact, you could at, watch this. At the end of those seven and a half hours, our youngest child said, so are you going to cancel Disney Plus now? Are you? And have you? I haven't yet, but only because I would like to watch the Beatles documentary a second or third time. Was it worth the seven and, seven and a half hours? Yeah, I think there's 50 or 60 hours of original footage from from 1969 that they shot while recording uh, footage for you know what became Let It Be and Abbey Road, but uh, and much of it was boring. Sometimes it was too long, but the overall three-part documentary was too short, if that makes sense, because you saw the Beatles creating Beatles songs before your eyes. In fact, the, the one scene of Paul McCartney just strumming a guitar and howling, and as he does that, it's like a, like a bird emerging from an egg, he kind of howls himself into the song Get Back. It's crazy to watch. Isn't it weird when you, like, you have known a certain song for decades to then, because usually, you know, these kind of things, the making of come out within, like, a year or two of an album or a movie or whatever, right? And... And so to have this much time between when it was released and all your experiences with a song or an album and then for it to come out, it must be kind of cool. I haven't watched a single second of it. I I would like to, but I haven't yet. You feel like you are a man from the future because you know what they don't know. You know now what they don't know. So when Paul is saying, Jojo Jackson left his home in Arizona, you're thinking, no, that's, that's not quite it. And he's trying to think of different names, different surnames for Jojo. And finally, he arrives at Jojo, forget the surname, Jojo left his home and fills those other two syllables with in Tucson, Arizona. And John says, is Tucson even in Arizona? And Paul assures him that it is. And, you know, and then George is, is uh, comes in with, he's been working for six months, he says, on, on uh, something. Something in the way she moves me, attracts me like, and he can't think of the the, the other syllables he needs to round that out. Attracts me like a pomegranate. Attracts me like a cauliflower. And I'm sitting there yelling at the TV. Attracts me like no other lover. Much in the way that I was yelling at the TV when you were on Celebrity Jeopardy. And I was yelling, say, oblady, oblada. Uh, when the final Jeopardy against Neil Patrick Harris was in this African dialect, uh, it means uh, life goes on. But of course, you had recorded that episode months earlier. I knew how it 
you know, how it tragically was, ended. It had already tragically ended, and that you couldn't have heard me through the TV even if it was live. Right. But but no, it was interesting. The other interesting thing that I found about the Beatles, I mean, there are many interesting things, was I knew they weren't uh, tall men, but it, it struck me vividly how, how tiny they were. Tiny people. I think every single human being in show business is a tiny person. It's funny. Every you, musician, every actor, they're tiny. It's funny you say that because I was listening to a podcast this morning while driving the kids to school uh, on Rob Lowe's podcast, Penn Gillette, who I think is like 6'6 six, six or 6'7, six, the magician, mm-hmm. yeah. was on. And he was. T- they were talking about that, how tiny everything is, everybody is, because uh, Penn said that his mother, who works in show business somehow, um, was rem- said, oh, you're going on Rob Lowe's podcast. He's tiny. And, and, and Penn said, no, he's not. She said, yes, he's like Tom Cruise. And, and he said, no, he's not. He's not tiny. I, you know, I, I worked with him on a show, and he wasn't tiny. She said, well, she said, I— It was I, probably on the West Wing because yeah, they were on the West Wing. That, that was it. She said, I was on the set of another show, and, and he's tiny, and, and a movie that he worked on. And, and, and Rob Lowe said, can I ask what movie? Did she know what movie it was? And, she, and Penn said, yeah, it was a movie that she worked on with Kevin Nealon, who's very tall. Mm-hmm. Rob Lowe said, well, that explains it. So they started talking about— how everyone how is everyone tiny. is tiny, and how when Penn uh, filmed a scene in Miami Vice on the st- walk, a walk and talk on the streets of Manhattan with Don Johnson, who's not tiny, they had to build a a, a path of milk crates for Don Johnson to walk on, uh, so that he didn't look tiny next to. Because as they were saying, once you look tiny in one scene, you're forever fixed as a tiny oh, person yeah. in, the, in the eyes of the public. And in fact, he said. He met Prince somewhere, and Prince said, "If there are photo- when we go out there, if there are photographers around, you have to stand at least 50 feet from me. Said that to Penn. 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 And Penn said, Penn said, you know, um, he was a Springsteen fan, and when he met, when he met the E Street Band, he said, uh, I, you know, Clarence, I'd always heard Clarence Clemens, the big man. I had to go over and, and say hi to the little man. Clarence Clemens. So I don't know what Clarence's actual dimensions are, but to bring this back to what we were talking about earlier, uh, the Beatles, there can't be, uh, the, the, the four Beatles laid end to end can't be 22 feet long. <laughs> I'm going to not bring it, I'm going to bring it back forward um, because I think, I think that has to be one of the reasons I was cut out of Jerry Maguire. I filmed the scene in Jerry Maguire. It's right when, um, right before Jerry gets fired, and in the scene he's walking through the office, and I'm standing there, um, and I'm looking at pictures or something. He walks by, I say hi, Jerry, and he looks at me with this paranoid look and like nods his head. And then when he gets near the office, Summer Sanders, the Olympic swimmer was also filming, it was part of this scene, and she was seated. And I think if we had switched those two things, if I was seated and Summer was standing, that it would not have gotten cut out of Jerry Maguire. Because, I mean, Tom Cruise is not tall. I, I, I He's tiny. He's tiny. I vividly remember the dress shoes he was wearing that had like a two and a half, three inch sole they, they talked added about, to the bottom they of them. They talked about the lifts that these guys wear. Rob Lowe mentioned his friend Emilio Estevez being very short. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, it's like, as with plastic surgery, there are things you can do that the best lifts, uh, you can add three or four inches to these shoes and, and, and you would look at, he said, they used to look like Herman Munster boots, but now you can't, you can't tell. And they talked about Tom Cruise specifically, and Penn Gillette said he's he's been in, in every show he's ever been on. He has to be sitting on a couch, yes. just like you. Yes. But he 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 said he said in one scene, I forget what the show was. Uh, a woman walked into the room, and 
and he's seated on the couch and he said, I would, my mother will be horrified. I would never do this. I, I, I have to stand when a woman walks into the room or when anybody walks into the room, right, you know, in an office. A, it's a matter of manners. Yes. But he can't, otherwise he'll ruin the shot. Right, right. So, so I think that's why I was cut out of that scene because, I mean, a, Tom Cruise had to have looked ridiculous next to me. And then I, I'll have to dig it up. It's somewhere. But I went to an event when I was playing with the New York Liberty. Um, it was f- uh, Bruce Willis in yes, Brooklyn. Yes, it was a fundraiser um, to, to raise money for, I forget which organization that um, – that benefited kids in foster care. And Bruce Willis was a huge um, proponent of that and worked with this organization. Anyway, so I'm at an event with Bruce Willis, action star Bruce Willis. I loved Bruce Willis when I was a kid, and I loved watching the show Moonlighting. I loved the Die Hard movies. And I, I don't even, if I was wearing heels, they were barely heels. And you've seen this picture, yeah, right? It's, it's incredible. It's, it's unbelievable how much smaller than me he is. And God bless Bruce Willis for taking the picture with you. Oh yeah, cuz like I'm sure I'm sure somebody like Prince would not have even come close. You'd have been you'd have been assassinated. Yeah. <laughs> by his his own snipers. Although that picture never appeared anywhere. Like I got a copy of it, but oh, it was God it no. never appeared anywhere. So Couldn't. maybe he took the picture with me and then his publicist told every outlet, like, if you run this picture, Bruce Willis will never do anything for you again. I don't know. But it is comical. And it's not like, I mean, I, I acknowledge I'm a tall woman. I'm 6'4", but I'm not like By the a way, that's, giant. That, that's what the internet claims Clarence Clemens is 6'4". 6'4". Um, so, yeah, I'll have to dig out that picture if I can find it. Um, but it's funny because like perspective too has has so much to to do with it because like in the past few years when I would be in studio with coach Landers sometimes we would do things where we were standing right and he's not a short guy I'd say he's what six feet tall maybe but I'm six four depends who's in the foreground and who's in the background exactly so when we would stand in front of a screen we would try to do it where he was standing a little bit more in the foreground I was in the background because of course I also if my outfit called for heels I was wearing heels (laughs) And we would try to manipulate it a little bit so it didn't look so incredibly exaggerated. Our height heights didn't look so incredibly exaggerated. But um, but so how how many feet total would the Beatles have been laying end to end? Maybe twenty two feet. So let's say Paul's five seven. I don't know. George appears to be significantly smaller. Ringo. Oh, is, smaller. I thought George was one of the taller well, ones. John, I think, is one of the taller ones. But John, the thing about John was he couldn't have weighed more than. 125 pounds during this documentary. I mean, it's crazy. He was always like this very yeah, slight yeah, build, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, the other thing that struck me, well, well, there's also a scene where George is asking if there are any uh, good shoe stores in Bond Street. They're in the, their Savile Row Apple headquarters basement studio, and he needs a new pair of black leather shoes, and, and uh, what's one of their roadies or, or possibly Mal Evans, their sort of uh, road manager, bodyguard, uh, Man Friday says, uh, you know, there are a bunch of stores. I'm sure we could have somebody bring, because George says I haven't been in the shoe store in years, nor could he be. He's George Harrison, right. the height of the Beatles fame. So they said, we could bring, I'm sure we could bring somebody by. And he said, well, if you can con somebody into coming by, like that would be a great imposition on somebody to come a couple blocks with shoes for the Beatles. Uh, you know, I, I'd love, and he could bring a selection of black slip on shoes black leather slip-ons size eight size eight so he's a size eight shoe that's like what our 11 year old daughter wears. used to wear right 
<laughs> yeah, you're right, actually. Yeah, it's what our 11-year-old daughter used to wear. But, I mean, it's neither here nor there. It was just an right. observation that... Right, uh, right. That there... Yeah, it, it's it's interesting that there aren't, to me... I mean, I mean, there's a reason people go into show business. And maybe the their lack of height plays into some insecurity that that... They go into show business but, but, because but, of I don't know. But but, but does an excess of any? height doesn't? I'm not saying suggesting that you have an excess of height, but does an I ex- have the exact right amount? Does of an height. excess of height? Yes. Uh, an excess of height or does, excessive height? What are you saying? Uh, I'm I'm being diplomatic and saying an excess of height. Does it give you an excess of security, or does it create its own insecurity? I th- well, I think and is there is there an insecurity in talking about people's lack of height? I don't that, know. That's what I'm asking because. It implies some kind of uh, superiority. I, I, in, I think in, this is what it is. I think for men, yes, there's probably um, a confidence that comes with height. I think for women, if you have excessive height or an excess of height when you're a girl, I think you have insecurity. Like you, because all well, like self consciousness, self consciousness. Yeah, that's a better way. But to put every it. every human being is self conscious, really, don't you think? Yes, don't you but think tall that, I mean, people probably like if you're not ridiculously tall. If you're you know six four or six five, you're probably not self conscious about your height. You, you probably don't get. You're probably not self conscious no, about your height until you're unless you're a way underlier or or overlier. <laughs> um, or if you, you know, and then well, sports brings you to a whole different world because you could be a huge soccer player. We've seen this. You can be a huge soccer player and then you go to a basketball game and you're average height. So there's probably different places, too, where, where you feel it more. Penn Gillette also said that uh, he said um, he put, This is but, on the Rob Lowe podcast. Yeah, yeah. People the, the, should, the if most they're interested think, in this, yeah, they should listen yeah, to the Rob he Lowe said, podcast. He said uh, that uh, Art Garfunkel, he said Art Garfunkel, same height as Teller. His partner, Penn and Come Teller. on. And that's what Rob Lowe said. Come on. And he said, he said absolutely. And Rob Lowe said, so that would make Paul Simon four feet something. And, and uh, but, but Penn put people on a continuum from Tom Cruise to Penn. And he said that then that Rob Lowe was closer to Penn than to Tom Cruise. So that, 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 that Rob and sort Lowe of, and, is yeah, closer and sort of the, the average. <laughs> Those are range. the two bookends. Yeah, <laughs> for Tom Cruise, <laughs> I guess. But <laughs> anyway, I, the, all of this is by way of saying, I hope you had a nice Thanksgiving. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think it's obvious that we don't plan any topics on this on this inane podcast. Uh, but we don't, and we didn't. Um, I, I, I was. This was intended to say Happy Thanksgiving. And I'll just throw in that both you and I are closer to Penn Gillette than we are also to Tom Cruise. But we're, we're slightly closer to Garfunkel than to Simon. <laughs> slightly. In my other Thanksgiving highlight, uh, apart from George Harrison's feet, George Harrison's loafers, um, was we attended a, well, you didn't, you were, you were busy toiling over a hot stove on Thanksgiving morning. I think at at the moment you're talking about, I was dicing vegetables. Dicing vegetables. Mm-hmm. I, I took our children, and my brother-in-law took his children. So collectively, these cousins, we went to a high school football game on Thanksgiving morning at 10 a.m. on Cape Cod, which was great. It was it was it was a uh, high school Americana. It was fantastic. But in the 
late in the game, or maybe early second second quarter, maybe halftime. I can't remember what it was. A gentleman came to me in the bleachers and said, "Are you Steve Russian?" And I and I am always reluctant to answer that because it's the first time you've ever been to a football game at this high school. Yeah, right? I, I probably owe the guy money, you know, right. or maybe I wrote something that that, that enraged him. him. Yes, right? maybe you said something um, offensive. Right. I I know I know that feeling. Yes. When I've written something offensive yes. about you, yes. so uh, I, I said yes, I am, and he said um, he said he and his wife listen to the Ball and Chain podcast. He's read my books, and your son has some nerve wearing that New York Giants hat at the game, which was funny and in in good because our son was humor. indeed wearing a New York Giants, New York Giants uh, hat. hat. This guy was a Patriots fan. But we had a nice chat, and uh, it was nice to hear from. Um, from the public. The Did he then say you also have owed me swag for no, no, months he, or years? No, no. he didn't end. say that. But what he did say was he li- he had listened to the first fifteen minutes of last week's podcast mm-hmm. and was going to listen to the other forty-five while basting the turkey or something to that effect. He's going to listen to it while basting <laughs> the turkey. <laughs> I think that's what he said. Yes. I so don't baste our turkey. I think by it was the way. Dave or David. So Dave Hello. slash David. Hello and thank you. Yeah, I was. Well, Did you, you not baste it? the turkey? No, I don't suck up the juices and then squeeze. Them oh, back is that what basting top. is? Yeah, yeah. I just let them marinate in their own juices. We we don't have one of those big rubber bulb rubber bulbed. Uh, is that a turkey, turkey baster? Turkey baster. We yeah. do not. No, no. I just remember now. I just had a a a, a memory? memory of of my mother's turkey baster. It had like a blue rubber bubble. Mm-hmm. And a uh, sort of a clear, eh, not a clear, a uh, a a, a uh, translucent would it be? Opaque uh, thing. So anyway. So your mother basted her turkey. I don't. I don't baste the turkey. Turned out all right though. It was, it was good turkey. Good stuffing in it. We had good potatoes. We had good food. It's a nice Thanksgiving. No, no, you don't have a baster. I do not. But you do have a... I have a booster. See how I set you up? You set you up me on that? beautiful. And, and you, you, you caught the pass? I did. Juggled I, it I for a little bit? In. I juggled it? I yeah, didn't juggle you, it. It was a clean, you no, way, no idea where I was going with that. I said... You're exactly where you were you going. You don't have a baster, but you do have a... And then you looked at me with terror in your eyes. And then just as the ball was sailing over your head, you caught it. You see that as terror... It was confidence. I knew exactly what you were throwing. Well, I got it's, my booster. It's your excess of height gives you that excess of confidence. <laughs> I got my booster on Sunday, where you, of course, go for a COVID booster. Was was your booster administered with a baster? <laughs> no, but I, the place I got my booster also sells basters. <laughs> I got my booster, of course. Where else would you go other than a Walmart? But if, if if Denny doesn't call this boosters and basters, he's <laughs> then we don't we don't know what's up. We don't know him anymore. So uh, four o'clock on Sunday of Thanksgiving weekend, went in, got my booster, um, and I I'm a I'm a Pfizer COVID vaccine person. Zero side effects with the first or the second shot. This one mostly no side effects. I had a smidge of not feeling quite right for a few hours but within 24 hours I was totally ready to roll again but um, I'm flying a a number of times between now and Thanksgiving so I'm glad I got the booster Is that number greater than one? Yes Between now and Thanksgiving? I'm sorry, did I say Thanksgiving? I meant Christmas Between now and Christmas I'm 
flying more than I wish I was. You, you're, def- you're also flying more than I wish she was. Yeah, I'm also flying more than you know I am. I found out today I have an additional trip that I'll be making that I wasn't aware of until when, today. But. When heretofore undisclosed to me? <laughs> and to me. <laughs> well, I, I, I'd like them to clear it with me before they even ask you. I know. Shall we get to viewer mail? Yeah, let's or, get... Oh. Or would you like to discuss the, the feet of the other Beatles? The fetals. <laughs> no. Let's just, well, although, we talked about this when we were in California, was that... Oh, John Wayne's tiny boots. Yeah, yes. we were enjoying, like, the... What's that? The, uh, the, the Walk of Fame. Walk of the, fame. The, the, right, Grauman's Chinese Theater. Man's Chinese Theater. One of our favorite things is seeing how tiny people's feet were. Maybe it's just a problem with us. No, it's, it's a... It, it's but a, but it, it, it confirms your your suspicions that every phone and show business is tiny. It does. All right. On that note, let's get to With the exception of Penn Jillette. Right. And Will Grandfather and Clarence Clemens. Thank you. So let's get to viewer mail, shall we? Big bad look, throw our lure, reel us in with your viewer mail. Ooh, our first viewer mail, Rebecca, is, is headlined FASFA. This one must be for you. Ugh. I'm still living in the hell That's of the FAFSA. financial aid. Yes, I got a notification yesterday that one of the school, two of the schools, I still need to add two more documents. And I looked at the schools and I was like, eh, I don't think our daughter really wants to go to that one much anyway. But one of them, she is interested. And so I'm like, ugh. So I'm spending more time last night on that form. Hi, guys, writes Dave in Massachusetts. Longtime Rebecca Lobo fan. Uh, actually, it's a longtime Rebecca Logo fan. Mm. He likes my logo. Or, or maybe he thinks you're the Jerry West of the WNBA and that the logo, that you're the logo. Or maybe he just likes our ball and chain logo. Oh, perhaps. Longtime Rebecca Logo fan who would watch UConn WBB games in an empty gamble back in the day. My wife, a religious ball and chain listener, shared with me your FASFA introduction. So so Dave is already uh, uh, not, he's not a listener. No. But his wife listens and passed this along to him. Right. I think Dave secretly listens. You think? He'll listen to this one if his if his wife hears us addressing his letter. I bet she plays it for him. The only thing I will add is that the only FASFA password I could get to work was FASFA sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Have you tried that, Rebecca? <laughs> I am so happy my kids are out of college. Not necessarily the expense, just no more FAFSA. Happy holidays, Dave in South Hadley. Rebecca, does that make you feel, does it give you a, a cathartic uh, a, a sense of relief, release of, of emotional uh, succor? Can I just say, because this he is a man after my own heart. Yes. I have my computer, my laptop in front of me, and I have a folder on my desk with all of the college stuff in it and it's titled college application bs so there you go this this next uh, viewer mail comes from uh, tim in kansas tim writes rebecca as my son was perusing the marquette website in preparation for applying we came across this it's probably time for a discussion on the pod there's a link i'm a little uh, uh, afraid to link to it all my word it's a link to um and that's uh, me giving a, a pitch for Marquette in a in a uh, in a florid COVID beard Holy from about cow. a year ago, maybe. That's posted somewhere on the Marquette website. 
uh, either that or, or on the FBI's uh, website. And why does it look like you're really tiny and you're like craning your neck to reach the camera? I, I don't know, but... Um, you look like you could be a beetle there. Per, no? Maybe that was my effort to come off uh, as a beetle. But uh, it's it's a frightening video of me. I didn't uh, know you um, did anything publicly with that. With your COVID beard was majestic at one it, it point. Was, it was, uh, it it was, was uh, long and it, unruly. It was, and it was sort of uh, uh, Hogwartsian, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Hagrid. Hagridian, yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. or maybe even uh, Dumbledoreable. No, more Hagrid. <laughs> Well, Hagrid, there's a guy, Robbie Coltrane, the actor who played Hagrid. You, you, you could tell they had tiny sets to make him appear gigantic. Right. Right? And, and of course, they, they, you know, they shoot from his perspective down, looking down on, on the actors. And, uh, and as we know, um, the actor who played uh, Harry uh, was a tiny. It's tiny. They all, they're tiny. all tiny. Yeah, as, as an adult. All, it's only notable when they're not. Right, so I'm looking up Robbie Coltrane height. Hagrid has six one, so Hagrid is above average height. Not that that's that's here nor there, but anyway, um, yeah. Well, Rebecca, you'll have to break down that video with uh, a Telestrator at some point. My okay. my uh, Marquette Advocate video. Uh, Ralph in Maryland writes, uh, Hi, Steve. I do indeed have a great uncle named Ambler, as evidenced from this email from some years ago. I did not save the photo. Uh, of the marker taken by my brother. Uh, there is an attached email from his brother, Ambler. Uh, I believe it was Chip who asked to be appointed resident battling bishop. I should be the resident alligator, writes Ralph, for being an alum of Allegheny College, the Allegheny Alligators. A great and, and perfectly paired nickname, don't you mm -hmm. think? The yeah. Allegheny Alligators. The men's hoops team will visit Branch Rickey Arena for the last time as a member of the North Coast Athletic Conference on 12-17. The women will visit 12-20-21. I'm sure the I'm sure the BBs will continue to have the competitions with the Fighting Scots of the College of Worcester and others. The Gators will go on to battle the Tomcats of Thiel and others. I'm sure you both have looked this up already. Uh, what am I looking up here? I always like it when I get li links. Oh, there's a link to the Pouch of Douglas. That was last week's... Um, uh, sort of uh, magic phrase, wasn't it? The Pouch of Douglas? It was, yes. Ralph writes, my best to Katie Douglas, and that's his sign-off. Yes, we mentioned Katie. You did mention Katie Douglas. So uh, the Fighting Scots of the College of Worcester, the Fighting Scots, I, I, I believe the, the, the uh, McAllister are also the, the Scotties. Rebecca, can you confirm? I do not know that. I went to... Uh, Basketball camp, Michael Thompson's basketball camp at McAllister College in 1980-ish. Uh, I got Dr. J's autograph there. Did I mention that? Yeah. Ah, George in Columbus, my monocle dealer, my uh, my my uh, pumpkin da Vinci. Else would we describe George? The pumpkin's hanging on too for dear life. It's He's not rotting yet. Gourd philanthropist. Mm-hmm. It's still it's still is on our on our front step. Yeah, it's hanging in there. It's waiting for some ne'er-do-well to, to uh, smash you, it. You removed all the other the little pumpkins that were above, like, the door jam. You had a lot of sort of softball-sized pumpkins that I've removed, but we're going to, uh, I told my son we would, I, I, I'd pitch them to him, and he could he could hit them into the woods with a, an aluminum bat. Oh, I thought you were going to just, like, try to throw them off a tree or something in the He's, woods. Well, he said they'll smash all over the driveway if he drives them into the woods with a yeah, bat. Yeah, you but should I, just I said, try to throw them off a tree in the woods. 
uh, or, or just leave him to clean it up. George, right now, there's like a ton of them sitting on the top of the garage, um, the trash in the garage. A ton of pumpkins. So every time I need to throw trash from inside outside, I have to take all the pumpkins off. So can you guys do that soon? Pumpkin removal? Yeah. Sure. Okay. I think that's uh, uh, something you have to tell me on the podcast, or could we remove the microphones <laughs> and you would still be able to tell me that? Or I there's something, some things now. you can only confess just now. when you're on the podcast, and yeah. that is the pumpkins have been driving you crazy. They have been of driving the me crazy, but let's just take care pumpkins of them. Pumpkins that I set on top of our, our trash willy bin. Mm-hmm. Got it. Steve and Rebecca writes George in Columbus. On December 16th, 1986, Darlene Love sang her holiday classic Christmas, Baby Please Come Home, on David Letterman's late night show. Dave was so impressed with her performance that he immediately invited her to come back to sing it again the next year. She did come back and kept coming back to sing that song on his Christmas show for the next 28 years. I, I love that holiday tradition of Darlene Love singing Christmas, Baby Please Come Home. Uh, you have no idea what I'm talking about, Rebecca, but it was it was a holiday tradition on Letterman. And in fact, speaking of Letterman, our son uh, has a looming deadline for his eighth grade yearbook uh, to come up with a a quote for his eighth grade yearbook. And I suggested he put one of his and my all-time favorite quotes from David Letterman, from the David Letterman uh, show, which is uh, one of his customers, drive-through customers, when he was working the drive-through at Taco Bell in New Jersey was, uh, she's gone already, chief. She's gone already, chief after he insulted some uh, customer and they took off and then he was still trying to get her on the PA and the next guy drove up and said, she's gone already. Chief. I always like leafing through the eighth grade yearbook when it comes out. Cause a couple of years ago, I remember, you know, a couple of kids had like Kanye quotes or Drake quotes. And then you got to the page that may have been of our daughter and it was just full of Winnie the Pooh quotes and <laughs> just how different, different kids are with their quotes. But um, yeah, keep trying to sell our son on David Letterman. I would imagine he would be the only kid with the David Letterman quote in his yearbook. Uh, I'm sure of it. Last year, I listened to your Christmas podcast on headphones, writes George, while walking our dog. It was a cold evening with a gentle snow falling, and when Steve closed the show with his piano rendition of Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, I thought it was perfect. Perhaps not technically perfect, but perhaps it was. Are you working on a Christmas song this year? I am. Our daughter is. I am. That, I wasn't thinking of it for the podcast, but yes, I am. Will it be ready for the podcast? Absolutely. Maybe we could, on our well, Christmas I, I podcast, could, I, we could. I, I could play. Uh, I could play. Uh, yeah, sure. I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm trying to learn uh, new chords with my left hand, but I can play the melody through, and um, and I think you'll all recognize it. Okay. It won't. Well, it will again. Can I promise the listeners that once again this sure. year? If we on remember our to do it, podcast that it, yeah, well, I'll remember. It will again be technically imperfect, which is the best way for it to be. Yeah, who wants perfection? But a perfect way, writes George, to end the show for the year. Steve, at the risk of being presumptuous, I hope that you will consider starting a podcast tradition by favoring your listeners with another piano offering this year. He has he has anticipated Rebecca. Yes, your very uh, thoughts. Yes, uh, something that I can't do, unfortunately. Can't. That's why the pumpkins are on the wheelie bin. Yes. It could be the same song or mix it up a little. But either way, I think your audience will enjoy it as I did. Thanks for considering this and best wishes for a happy and healthy holiday season. George and Columbus. George, how could you, who have done so much for us, how could I refuse that request? I can't, so I will. No. I, I will play, if we can remember. It's the this least year's, you can do. It is literally the least I can do. I will play the Christmas song that I'm working on. Perfect. And uh, I'll, I'll get. Uh, I'll have to get a little... Uh, a little more practiced at it, but but it's coming along, and and it's and it's it's a song that uh, that I think everybody enjoys, even even when played by me. 
A Greg from Maine writes, longtime listener, first time emailer. Greg? Yeah, Greg. Welcome, Greg. Greg with Greg with one, one G. G or, well, well, two G's or one three. G on either end. Okay. Book two total by G's. G's. Not three G's, yeah. Longtime listener, first time emailer, listening to this week's podcast segment about burns at sporting events, I wanted to share this story. Growing up near Steve in neighboring Edina, Minnesota, I thought you'd appreciate this hockey history meets modern day. You can't uh, make this up. Uh, neighboring Edina, yes. We know Edina well. We know it. We know it very well, and we've come to uh, respect it. I don't know about that. No, we, we like it, no, but we, I don't we, know that we respect it. Well, uh, let, let's put it this way: Greg moved to Maine. Ah, good for you, Greg. So, he's Gordon, in the state with the highest vaccination rate. That's correct. Go, Greg. All of New England, really, I think, is the top five, six states, something like that. Growing up, and still to this day, writes Greg, it was common for students to chant Siv to the opposing goalie. Oh, I remember that so well. Siv, Siv, Siv. Anytime they would let in a goal, right? chant Siv, okay? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if that was common at all high school I mean, hockey. It makes sense. It's not offensive. Makes sense. It is totally offensive. Not really. And uh, and it, it was a sick burn and, and haunted haunted goalies throughout the upper midwest um whether it be hockey or soccer games now living in yarmouth maine this fall the athletic director issued a moratorium on the civ chant deeming it disrespectful and unsportsmanlike so apparently it's tradition in maine as well naturally and comically this cease and desist order fell on the deaf ears of the enthusiastic students after a couple of unsuccessful attempts to curb the use of the word key perpetrators were summoned to the office admonished threatened with suspension and subjected to a sportsmanship lecture where it was suggested that perhaps chanting colander would be more appropriate. <laughs> That's not real. Why colander would be permissible while civ unacceptable is anyone's guess. That's Greg for me. Is that a joke? Uh, uh, well, you need a three-syllable word that means basically the same colander. thing. Colander. Colander. I think that, I think, I mean, I think, I would switch There's to calendar no just for true. just for a variety. I, it, oh man, I, I, the students have to have been chanting that, don't you think? Calendar. Calendar. I mean, it's it's absurd. It's, this that's what makes it truth. so good. Greg, thank you for that uh, wonderful uh, email. I, I love. I'm loving. You know, we had we had the felt banners that were taken down in Connecticut. We have the calendar, uh, the Civ Moratorium, and the calendar uh, edict. In Maine, uh, let's hear more tales of the unexpected from from your local high school, wherever you are. Speaking of that, I, th- I think uh, somebody uh, posted on Twitter the uh, old banners from the Boston from the old Boston Garden hanging. I think at Boston City Hall, maybe temporarily as part of an exhibition, mm-hmm. and they were uh, nicotine stained from years of you know all that smoke rising up to the rafters, and they looked out of context, not. Not in the rafters, in other rafters at City right. Hall, but but closer. They looked on close inspection, pretty disgusting, and not oh, at I all, and never really dry cleaned. Cool. I thought it looked really cool. Oh yeah, definitely dirty and not dry cleaned. Oh, I super it cool. Really cool. Do you know what I'm talking about? Did you see I the do. same banners? Yeah, somebody sent it. I think on Twitter. Okay, uh, well then, then uh, yeah, just just I'm just saying, like out of context, you can see, and that was part of the charm of it. But you could see how how truly filthy. They are and were because nobody. I wonder if a dry cleaner, a Martinizer. Yeah, if they um, if they figured out the best way to clean banners, if they advertise that like we clean banners, and we you know 
we are the best at banner cleaning if it would be you think if a you big... could have a niche I hate a niche. Th- not that, a that's niche, your pretentious, preposterous French pronunciation. A niche. If if they could have a niche, if you could, if you could corner the market in banner cleaning, like how long that could keep your company going? Would it just be you'd get hit right away with a bunch of people who need their banners cleaned, or is it something that you know could sustain you for a couple of years? How many banners are out there that need to be cleaned? As you're saying that, I, I was thinking that. That, that could be their niche. I have I have several niches. Do you? And several nephews. <laughs> Good Kevin's. Okay. Good Kevin's. Did you just say? I don't know what I said, but you, you just know what you I just meant. wanted to bail out of that yes. as quickly as possible. I did. Uh, Andy in Connecticut writes, Rebecca and Steve, you will probably get a lot of responses similar to this one. The question from last week's BNC was about the effect of a body of water on a putted ball. Oh yeah. I am a longtime avid golfer and have heard about this effect. Disclaimer: I'm not a hydrologist. Okay, mm-hmm. so Andy is not trained as a hydrologist. I don't even know if he's an amateur mm-hmm. hydrologist, mm-hmm. but that's his disclaimer. Okay, mm-hmm. somebody did con- somebody did contact us on Twitter. I don't know if we can find no, that. No, somebody text a friend of ours texted me. Oh well, dig that up if you can. I will. And see. I will. Uh, the results I obtained from a limited search included posts from PGA.com and Golf Digest. The prevailing belief of a ball breaking toward water does not always hold true. Uh, you know when it doesn't hold true, Rebecca? What is is when I adhere to it. That's that's the exception. Right. It, it, it doesn't break to the water when I'm putting. Uh, they talk to touring pros who basically say the reason for the break on a putt is due to two things, gravity and grain, the direction of the blades of grass. The effect is apparently more common on older courses, not so much for newer courses because of how earth has moved around in construction. Nearby bodies of water on a golf course are usually the lowest point near a green, so putts will naturally roll with gravity in that direction. I do not think the effect exists for bodies of water farther away that is off the golf course certainly not if you're putting in st louis it's not necessarily going to break it's not like if you're putting on the continental divide it's going to break one way or the other towards towards an ocean that's hundreds of miles away the grain of a putting green may be influenced by how water flows off the green again gravity or direction of the setting sun the sun effect seems to be more pronounced with certain types of grass bermuda more so than other types Interestingly, one of the pros said the effects mentioned can be negated by cutting as longer blades of grass will be trimmed. I suspect the break on AstroTurf grass at your local mini-golf is more influenced by the repeated tramping of f- by feet and the age of the carpet. As always, keep up the good work, Andy in Connecticut. I mean, what a great email. What an informative, I mean, even even as an amateur hydrologist, it's it's um, it feels well, authoritative, doesn't well, it? Well, yes, and, and our friend who texted me, Carl, he is also, I don't think, a hydrologist. He might be, for all I know, but I don't think that he is. I, I can I can assure you he's, he's he is not. not a hydrologist. And he said, golf course designers design the greens to drain towards bodies of water. Putts follow the same path. For this reason, the water needs to be fairly close. So he was just talking about the distance. and. So uh, putting in Duluth, it won't necessarily break towards Lake Superior, the big lake they call Gichigumi, right? I suppose. If Gordon Lightfoot... Speaking of speaking of light feet, as we were with George mm-hmm. Harrison, if Gordon Lightfoot were putting in Duluth, it would not necessarily break towards Lake Superior. I guess. People want to know. Uh, Road woes or so it goes, writes our uh, correspondent in Hitachi Kitazawa. Oh, Michael. Michael. Uh, Dear Stephen Rebecca, greetings from Higashi Kitazawa. I hope this finds you both well below. Please find something probably best described as poetic roadkill. Uh, 
nonetheless, I hope it makes you laugh. And here we go. Okay. And, and again, I'm reading this cold, so forgive me any if my meter or, or uh, cadence is off. What makes the car goer slower? A fallen ladder or a swollen bladder? Perhaps the former and the latter. And really, does it even matter? From here to there, just arrive with care. Please keep happy and healthy. I remain Michael. How about that one? Ladder, ladder, impressive stuff, Michael. Fantastic. What makes the car goer slower, a fallen ladder or a swollen bladder? <laughs> he really, or we really need to compile these. Absolutely. I mean, it should be like a, a, a Christmas book or something, of, or a holiday of, book. Letters uh, from... Higashi, greetings from greetings. Higashi Kitazawa. Yes, yes. And the early greetings were not from... No, they were from Japan. they were they from, were from uh, Santo Domingo. Yes, around the, the, the globe the, 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 greetings. Yeah, I mean it's not that not that I doubt this for a second, but it is it is possible. There is a one percent possibility these are all coming from from uh, a den in Paducah, Kentucky. We we really have no way of verifying mm-hmm. that he has moved from Santo Domingo to to Higashi Kitazawa. Other than but I, he has no I, I believe to, the best of, of our of course exactly. Our well, Michael viewers. for sure. Yeah, I mean, he is a poetic soul, and he 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 um, he is what it says on the tin. Hmm. Shall we get to Doctor Gary Siegel? Yes. Doctor Gary Siegel writes, "Dear Rebecca and Steve, it is late Monday night. Uh, he's setting. He's painting a picture. I like Bob he Ross like a picture, that. Yes. It is late Monday night, and I'm just finishing last week's podcast as the family visited over the Thanksgiving weekend. Mrs. DGS and I are pretty exhausted as an energetic three-year-old granddaughter combined with a chasing two-and-a-half-year-old one kept us busy for the last five days. We were able to visit both families and have a great Thanksgiving as well, so pardon my brevity, but there are a few things that have come up during the last few days that merit a note. And as always, Rebecca, they are enumerated. Thank you. One, wet versus dry measure. My family's interest in the podcast is just a bit greater than the women's interest level in attending a Formula One race, meaning it's pretty low. Over Thanksgiving one day, when the whole family was in the kitchen preparing breakfast, I asked if there was a difference between the two measures. Yes, immediately and emphatically replied Mrs. DGS and my daughter. Thank you. Well, I mean, thank you, but uh, that's hardly the final word on that, Rebecca. Okay. I mean, they say yes, but there really isn't, as we've established. Two... I now know that Peppa Pig and the entire pig family snort frequently and enjoy frolicking in mud puddles. I have read and heard enough Peppa Pig and Paw Patrol for at least a few weeks. Ah, uh, we loved Peppa Pig. Uh, muddy puddles. Mm. George, and, and of course, a Peppa's ballet teacher, Madame Gazelle. Yes. She's French, and it's a, it's a, it's a subtle play in Mademoiselle. She is Madame Gazelle, and she's, she is, in fact, a gazelle. I mean, nothing could ever compete with the Backyardigans, but Peppa Pig was pretty good. The beauty of Peppa Pig is, is the sort of a Picasso-like uh, design of their, of their heads, mm-hmm. where it's sort of half profile, half straight on, but they all look like hair dryers. <laughs> okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Three, thanks to Mark in Wisconsin, who obviously is a Formula One fan, we can now solicit from the viewers the millions needed for a small advertising spot on Valtteri Bottas's number 77 Alfa Romeo next year. While I'm humbled to be included, I would strongly urge that the BNC podcast logo be the advertisement placed on the car. Imagine, Rebecca, a Formula One, this billion-dollar industry, multi-billion dollar industry, a Formula One car, Lewis Hamilton's Mercedes perhaps, is flashing by with 
with uh, Dr. Siegel's uh, OBGYN uh, ad on the side. Be pretty amazing. It would be perhaps amazing. A, perhaps I would like a, that. Uh, what's the Atlanta area code? Uh, uh, 401, 304? What is well, it? I forget. 4-something, isn't it? I, I was thinking 414, but that's Milwaukee. Uh, four, Chip in Toledo had clever suggestions about physicians and music, and Steve, as always, you hit the nail on the head while I'm not playing 404. music. 404. 404, yeah. yeah. That's why 414 is Milwaukee, 404 is Atlanta. Steve, as always, you hit the nail on the head while I'm not playing music when operating. I should note that my mother was named Sylvia, and thus your reference to Sylvia's mother, Anna, by the way, in my case, by Dr. Hook was close to home. I also enjoyed the reference that you made to Jamie Farr as well. Five, Rebecca's assignment for Juliana's excellent. Kudos, and I can't wait to hear her report. Six, I apologize for any errors in typing and or numbering, either now or in the past. Last week, you'll recall, Dr. Siegel had two number sevens, I believe, which, which I also have one when I go to the McDonald's drive-thru. I ordered two number sevens. Two number sevens. I don't know what we a number We do get seven a number seven is. from Jersey Mike's, though. That's true. We get the, the, the number turkey. seven is the uh, turkey. Yeah. A Mike's way. That's right. Uh... And make the errors that my inadequate proofreading does not catch. Also, it's near 11 p.m. That's Dr. Siegel's polite way of saying, telling me to, uh, you know. Seven, I'm so glad that the pouch of Douglas and pelvic spaces got their pelvic spaces. <laughs> the pouch of Douglas and pelvic, and spaces, pelvic spaces got their due and that the podcast was even sponsored by the pouch of Douglas. Google led me to several versions of essentially the same explanation of the origin of the name, but here's the one that I like the best. Italics are mine. I somehow suspect that the text below will provide ample opportunity for clever commentary by you two. Uh, Dr. Siegel writes, the rectuterine pouch is also known as the excavatio recto uterina, literally the rectuterine excavation. And the pouch of Douglas, after the Scottish anatomist James Douglas, 1675 to 1742, who explored this region of the female body and left his name attached to at least three other structural features in the area. So exactly what we suspected, that like, like a 18th century explorer, he left his name on, on that which he, quote, discovered. Right, because he discovered it. Yeah, he discovered it. He put a man's name on the pouch of Douglas. Right, of Incredible. course he did. How... Uh, uh, how, I mean, just how manlike. How manlike. It's it's incredible. It is. I think I think the next thing that that needs to go in the uh, in the, the the reckoning we're having in the 21st century is to rename the pouch of Douglas. Don't you? Sure. Eight. You you don't have any strong feelings about eight. Lastly, in said Formula One news, Sir Frank Williams, the founder and team principal of the eponymous team Williams Racing, Rebecca, the third oldest one in the sport, passed away at age seventy-nine. Yes, to great uh, to uh, great uh, attention and and many uh, plaudits came his way. His team won sixteen total championships since its inception in nineteen seventy-seven, with its most successful times in the nineteen eighties and nineteen nineties. Their last win was in 2012, and the team was sold by the family last year, but will retain the name. Only Enzo Ferrari and Bruce McLaren performed teams before Sir Frank and his partner, Sir Patrick Head, in an era when an individual could become a constructor without the need of a huge organization and strong relationships to major manufacturers. Sir Frank survived a near-death road car accident in 1986, and while he had a significant spinal injury, which made him wheelchair-bound, he never gave up, was a racer at heart, and a fine gentleman who was admired by all within the sport, R.I.P. Sir Frank, uh, we join you, Dr. Siegel, in extending our, uh, our, uh, our condolences, condolences uh, a giant in, in uh, Formula One. With warmest regards, uh, tired. He signs off tired, DGS. So I once again, we have to rested. thank, thank uh, 
Dr. Dr. Siegel chasing uh, toddlers around over an exhausting Thanksgiving weekend spent watching Peppa Pig and Paw Patrol, uh, presumably delivering other children into the world. Could could have been, yeah. And then out of a sense of duty, perhaps uh, a weary sense of obligation at this point, listening to the podcast and then sending us his enumerated email with his usual insights. We are forever indebted to Dr. Siegel. Thank you, uh, Dr. Rebecca, Siegel. anybody else we need to thank on this before we... Uh, of course, Denny. Denny. Of course, Denny Gallagher, producer extraordinaire Denny Gallagher, who I believe also watched the Beatles documentary. The only reason I say that is because, of course, he did. It's the kind of thing that, that he would definitely watch uh, almost as soon as it dropped. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong, but I bet he did. So thank you, Denny. Thank you, Denny. Thank you, Tom Dick Hari. Play us out. Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pad live in this cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts your sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and vigorous, what we give for a little rest. Stay by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.